He says, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. This is the heart condition of Job after having lost everything in his life. He went through having lost everything. He gets to a place where he's lost everything. Put that verse up. He says, Job 23, did I give them the right? Job 23, 12. Then Job answered and said, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Not even extravagant food. Not even a Shake Shack burger. Who's had a Shake Shack burger? You are blessed people. You, you should fly to the United States just for that hamburger. You have revelation people in this room don't have. Talking about food, people are fasting in this room. I'm going to quit now. He says, I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Necessary food and, and the NKJV that they have on the screen. I've, I treasured the words of his mouth more than, the, than my necessary food. Treasured his word. You know the word Jesus became flesh. The word of God put on a body and walked amongst us. Jesus is the word of God that became flesh. The word of God put on a body. The word of God is captured in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word of God that became flesh and dwelt amongst men. I've treasured the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. That's why we fast. Because we are hungry to hear God speak. Now God can speak without you fasting. Now it's not, it's not a thing that you should fast to hear God speaking. But sometimes when there is no clarity in you hearing, maybe fasting is a good response to open up your ears. Job said, I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. In other words, Job was saying, I'll put food aside to hear him speak. You know that Job's end Chapter 42, I think verse 10, says that Job's end was greater than his beginning. But let's see if it's correct. Job 42. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Twice as much. If that happened to Job in 2024, people would say, oh, so yeah, prosperity gospel. But this is a man that understood that he cherished God's word above his necessary food. And this is a man who got restored everything that the devil stole from him. And not just restored, twice as much. God restored Job based on he knew how to prioritize God's word. It's, it's easier to, to do things like leave a friendship, break up with a girl. I think it's easier to do those things sometimes than it is to leave food on the side, which speaks of our natural desire for certain things. To nourish our souls. He says, I know the priority that I have for God's word to put it first. And when he did that, God was the one that restored him to a position twice as much as he had before. His end was greater than his beginning. Because he understood how to put God's word first. Now we, we, we understand that fasting in the Bible, if you begin to do research, was done for very, very many things. You, you would have a corporate fast and you would have a private life fast. Corporate fast would be the people 
in Israel called to the Day of Atonement fast, which is, I think, a day fast where they would abstain from, from sunset to sun, uh, sunrise to sunset from food, the whole day, water included. The whole nation of Israel would do that. But you would have uh, private fasting as well. I mean, David, after his, his little mistake with Bathsheba, not so little, you know how many people would make YouTube videos about David if they had the chance? You, your TikTok would be flourishing with people telling you how bad, don't listen to that guy. Then you have Solomon that comes from that woman, Bathsheba. And he was the wisest man on this planet. Where, where was we? And the Lord, not that one. I'm not there. I didn't give you the verse. James. So different reasons for fasting. There are different reasons. David fasted. I didn't give you a verse. That's why we're still there. David fasted to not have, to not lose the child he had with Bathsheba. That's a reason to fast. And after having fasted and not eaten and still losing the child. So fasting is not a way for you to manipulate God. This child was wroth in sin. This is where this child comes from. God was not happy. God spoke and God said no. And he fasted. Fasting is not your way to change God. God is, God is God before you fast and after you fast. He is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. If he is the same, he is the same God that was in David's story. He's the unchanging God. He still leans to what he leans to. He still desires holiness, etc. It's the same God. Now, if David fasted and couldn't change God's heart, it tells us that you can fast for private matters, but it doesn't necessarily mean that if God said no, it's going to change his no into a yes, because you'll manipulate him by buying a yes through your fast. Your fast is not a currency with which you bribe God. You're not going to get God to say yes when he has said no. David fasted. Who else fasted private matters? Hannah we spoke about didn't, didn't fast uh, or, or, or fasted. She abstained from food because she was so ridiculed and so in distress. She abstained from food. And that was for her. It had nothing to do. You have the rich young ruler who would come on the scene. And he, I think he said, I fast weekly. Just check the, the story of the rich young ruler. Not, not sure where it's written. I think he says, I fast weekly or twice a week. Just double check. If you get it, just drop it on the screen. Then you have this, 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 um, the story about the Pharisee, the righteous and self-righteous guy, uh, the, the unrighteous, how was it titled? But this, this Pharisee who would say, I thank God praying, standing praying, saying, thank God I'm not like this guy. Pointing a finger at him, saying, I am not like this sinner. I fast twice a week. Which means that that was a natural condition that they would fast twice a week or would fast to be seen. He says, I fast twice a week. Then Jesus asks the question. Did you find it? There we go. I fast twice a week. I give tiles, tithe, tiles. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. This is the rich young ruler. Find the parable of the unrighteous Pharisees who beat, uh, and the sinner who beat against his chest. He also says, I fast twice a week. The sinner says, bowed his head, he says, I'm not worthy. And Jesus asked the question, which one do you think returns home in right standing with God? Not the one who fasted twice a week. 
Your fasting twice a week does not bribe God. It doesn't remove responsibility for good living. The attitude and the motive of your fasting should be right. There is something about our fasting that either moves God or doesn't move anything and leaves us on the other end, not understanding why it didn't move, didn't move God. Did you find that? There we go. It says in Luke 89, and he also spoke this parable to some of them trusted in themselves, that they were righteous, trusted in themselves, that they are righteous. This is, pause there. This is why I say, if you criticize other people, this applies. Read it and weep. Trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one the other of the others a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterous, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all life. Is that the one you just gave me? Where's the one with the rich young ruler in? Is this not the same? It's not the same, it's a different story. Find out how many times the rich young ruler fasted. Those people at the back are going like this. Get out. Does he fast twice a week? So the rich young ruler also fasts twice a week. So there are people who would fast and think that because of their fasting, they have righteousness. Or think of their fasting that it qualifies them to somehow get something that other people. Fasting is not a competition. I said to you this morning that Louis has fasted 21 days. I've never come close. Not even on a Daniel's fast to 21 days. Especially on a Daniel's fast. That's even more difficult. I've never, it's not a competition who fasts the longest, who fasts the most. There's this verse in, in, in Matthew talking about I want to talk about that in a second. But it says um, that your fasting is don't disfigure your face when you're fasting so that people can see you fasting. That's not saying don't tell people you're fasting because we're talking about fasting now. You know why nobody, there are so few Christians actually who fast? It's because everybody's trying to hide the fact that they're fasting. How would they learn? How do you know Jesus fasted? He told us. So that sort of null and voids the argument that you should hide it from everybody. If you are fasting to be seen, that's the wrong motive. It turns out that's only a diet. But if you're fasting to be seen by God, God is not upset that you say something, no, I'm not gonna eat today, I'm fasting, I'm putting time aside to spend time with God. But if you go like, oh, I'm fasting. And people give you a hug and hold you and go like, oh, it's okay. I can none of you yet. That's wrong fasting. That doesn't help. You're not moving anywhere forward in that. So there's wrong fasting. But to, to just point this out before we get to good things, I want to read to you Isaiah 58. I shared this with all the U group leaders, and I don't know how many of them shared it in their U groups with you yet. But here it is, Isaiah 58. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. This is good news to churches. Raise your voice like a trumpet. You're allowed to be loud. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob, here we go, their sins. For the day after they seek me, for day, for day after day, they seek me out. 
They seek, seem eager to know my ways. Watch this indictment. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. <clears throat> God has an issue with hypocrites. God doesn't like pretend. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. I actually preached a sermon on the subject. God cannot bless who you fake pretend to be. You, he, he needs to reach into the real you. So every time you pretend to be something to get a promotion, every time you pretend, pretend to be holy to get attention, all of that is fake. None of that gets the blessing of God. God is after the real core you. The Bible actually says, confess your sins to one another. We stop doing that. You know why? Because we can't trust people. But this is how deep God wants us to go. He says, watch what he says. Read this with me. Declare to my people their rebellion, the descendants of Jacob their sin. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? So it's actually possible to fast and God ignore you. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Fasting and humble is words that run together. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of our fasting, he answers, God responds, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set oppressed free, to break every yoke. God is saying to us that I'm not after a fast where you pretend. Don't come to church, lift up your hands, sing worship songs, go home and sleep around, get drunk, skinner, slander people, have opinions. That's not godly. He's saying, what, what does your lifting up your, what does that fast help you? You're hypocrites. Because you're fasting, you're saying this day is consecrated to God. Then the day after that, you are back to your usual self. During that fast, you're still slandering. You still have an opinion. You're not thinking thoughts that's godly thoughts. You're not occupying yourself with godly things. He says, don't stop doing good. We're, we're supposed to be a people that does good wherever we go. We should find reasons to do good. We should find the reasons to encourage people, to motivate people, to inspire people, to help where help is available. Where we can reach into someone's life and support them, we should. When somebody is without a blanket, give them a blanket. God says these justices, these things that we do is what he is looking for. He says, when I was in prison, who, who came to visit me? 
When I was thirsty, he gave me a cup of water to drink. He wants your religion to be practical. He wants you to change. Then when you do that and you fast and you humble yourself, then God begins to speak. It doesn't help you humbling yourself, but just being you. God turns off his hearing to that. He doesn't respond. He, it seems as if he doesn't notice. Don't think he doesn't notice. He sees exactly. He just doesn't respond because that's not the fast he is looking for. He says, it's not the kind of fasting I've chosen to lose. I've read all that. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor, the wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Here's what happens if the fast is good. Watch. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Maybe some of your depression will change if you correct your fast. If you stop finding fault, having a reason to be upset, having a fault with your brother, having unforgiveness in your heart, he says your healing will appear quickly. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear God. I'll read that again. Your righteousness will go before you Righteousness, your right standing before God will go before you and his glory will be your rear God. When you're walking, God is behind you watching your back. God will have your back when you surrender your life to him and say, God, this all belongs to you and you fast and you pray, but it is accompanied by what the Bible teaches us to do. Obey his commands, have a heart after God's things, do good to other people. Find reasons to smile and to be good. You, if you are so self-centered and so self-focused, you'll never get healthy. I'm here to tell you right now, when you worry about you, God's not worrying about you. You got it. But when you begin to worry about God's people, God will worry about you. When he sent them out on the mission field, he said, don't take a backpack with you. Don't worry what you'll eat or drink. I'll take care of those things because you're going out to reach people. When you're about God's people, God will be about you. God knows what you're in need of. But when you're so self-centered, so self-focused, oh, what the devil does is he puts sugar on it. He gets you more depressed than you are. Because the more you focus on how you don't have something, the more you want what you don't have. The more you see your lack, the more the lack begins to grow bigger. The devil has a magnifying glass on what you focus on. a fact then you will cry and the Lord will answer you will cry for help and he will say here I am I want to be in a position with Jesus that when I say Jesus he will be in the room I don't want to take the risk of having a family but not have God answer when I call him I want to I want to be a father that is able to look after his household in a manner that says God is close if you want to say God here I am I need your help he says, if you do it, the fast right. If you fast right, it's not just abstaining from food, but have your motives right, not to be seen by people. Because he says, if you're seen by people, you have your reward. But to be seen by God. He says, you will cry for help and I will answer. Where were we? If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing of, with the, away with a pointing of finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and spite of the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your, your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. 
and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild their ancient ruins and will raise up like an age-old foundation. You will be called repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets for dwelling. That's an amazing, you can read the rest of Isaiah 58. He's talking about fasting. The fast he doesn't want and the kind he does want and the results thereof. Check your motives. Check your motives. We're moving on. What can we fast for? Well, for one, I want to say to you, you should be fasting for direction. You should be fasting for direction. In James chapter number four, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. Watch what he says. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This follows on the verse where he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Grace is the divine enablement of God. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your, let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble. Fasting is a way to humble your soul. Because when you are fasting, you're not strong. You feel a sense of weakness. You're not as clever and as energized and as smart and at your wits all figured out when you're fasting. It's a forced humility on your soul. You're chastising your soul. He says he draws near to the humble. And look, when you do that, when you... All fasting should be accompanied with repentance. It's a recognition of your sinful state. When a church gets to a place where we recognize that we are at fault and flawed, imagine what God can begin to, it's not a consistent, persistent state of I'm a sinner. No, I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. But I recognize as a saint, I've got some sins that God needs to deal with. And when I lay these sins at his feet, God begins to begin to bring healing. Because, because, Sin is not God being spiteful to you. Sin is a, is a virus and a sickness and an illness that eats away at what God can do in your life. It is something that destroys your potential. Sin robs you of confidence. Sin robs you in confidence with talking to God and hearing from God. Sin tells you that you're not worthy, not capable, not able, and that God is resisting you. When you deal with it, you open up the atmosphere for God to speak to you. When you humble yourselves, you're saying to God, that's why he says, lament you sinners, weep, turn to him, turn your joy into mourning. Find a reason to say to God, I humble myself. He says, if you do that, the Lord will lift you up. There's something else. If you lift yourself up, you have to keep yourself up. Let me explain. Many people promote themselves but they have to compete with aging and all these factors and they're up for a day and down for a lifetime. If you lift yourself up, you have to keep yourself up. But if he lifts you up, it's the hand of God that put you there, it's the hand of God that will sustain you there. It is God that lifts you up. It's him that promotes you. It's him that puts you in the spotlight. It's him that does what he needs to do in your life in the right season of your life. Now fasting is for direction. I told you, that fasting humbles you. That scripture reminds us that fasting humbles us. 
Now watch this in Daniel chapter number 9. Daniel is a great book that deals with fasting. Daniel's the guy. Daniel's the guy. Now the first year of Darius, the son of Asuras, Asuras, Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books, the number of years specified that the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Then I set my face towards the Lord God to make my request and prayer by prayer and supplication. Then I he read Jeremiah, understood what it meant. He says, then I set my face towards the Lord to make my requests known to him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made my confessions and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant. He prays that whole prayer, goes through the whole thing. The point is, he read scripture. He read scripture and he realized something. He set his face towards God. The scripture is in two parts, one logos, one rhema. You can read the scripture and completely not understand what it says. There are scholars out there that will give you verse by verse what it means historically, but it has no cooking clue what God is saying through it today. You cannot hear what God is saying through it today if you don't set your face towards him and desire to hear him speak. That word is just written word. It becomes because the Pharisees also had the written word. The Pharisees also had the written word. And when the living word was standing in front of them, they could not discern him. And he set his face towards God and he said he fasted, which means he humbled. He uses the word humbled himself before God. He humbled himself. God draws near to those who humble themselves. Fasting is one of the tools that we use to humble ourselves before God. Humbling yourselves is what we say is the phrase humble yourselves. So it's not God humble me. You don't want God to humble you. You don't want God to humble you. you. You don't want to be force fed. You want to be able to self feed. You don't want to humble, be humbled by God. You want to humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before him. When he humbled himself, watch verse 20. Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sins, watch verse 20 says, you cannot believe it. it's in the Bible. Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sins and the sins of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplications before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain, I do, he, he doesn't say, I went onto YouTube. When you care about other people's sin, you don't confront them in public without being qualified to, you pray for them. Do you think Jesus doesn't know? Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sins and the sin of my people, I presented my supplication before the Lord, my, my God for the holy mountain, from the holy mountain, uh, before the Lord, my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offer. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I've now come forth to give you skill to understand the beginning of his supplications. The command went out and I've come to tell you for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. So God is sending an angel. He fasted, prayed, confessed his sins. He cleared the atmosphere. And God sent the angel Gabriel to bring clarity to his understanding. Those things follow a perception of sin. How, how are we living in a culture 
that would deny the reality of sin. Anything goes in the church. Anything is acceptable in the church. Live the way you please. And God still loves you. No, that's just love without truth. It's, void. it's a lie. It's false. When he confessed his sin, when there was repentance in his heart, he said, God, I need to hear you. God sent the angel Gabriel and brought understanding to Daniel. We can jump to chapter 10 very quickly. Then he continued verses 12 in chapter 10. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before God, the day you decided to hear from God and humbled yourself, from that day, I've already been sent. The moment you decide that Jesus, you're first, and begin to work the process of humbling yourselves before God, saying, God, what am I that you would pay attention to me? Here I am, just help me, God. I'm in desperate need of you. I want to have instruction from heaven. God would send his response to you. And he would bring an answer to you. Daniel prayed for his understanding to be enlightened and give him direction into what he would do. I want to submit to you. Don't get all the young people not married. Lift up your hand in this room. You know why you're not dating? Because you're scrolling too much. I keep on asking my children, do you remember any of the videos you watched for four hours yesterday? Ask yourself if you're a scroller. Do you remember any of the videos you watched? Out of three hours, you maybe remember two or three. Three hours scrolling, you remember two or three videos. The devil is stealing your brain. IQ point by IQ point every day. Okay, let's regroup. I don't know you're so listening. You should never get married without fasting and praying. Praying is not enough because you're lazy at praying. You pray like, Yet a of me. I say my aunt now fat, I say it again. <laughs> we give God signs. This is, this is a true fact. Um, Gideon put out Jesus, uh, not Jesus, God. If I wake up and this part of the cloth is wet and this part is dry, then I know it's you. The next morning, okay, God, swap it around. So people go around, God, if, it, if, if tomorrow morning I wake up and the window has a crack from one corner to the other corner, then that is the girl of my dreams. I mean, my wife. This is, you're putting out signs. Now he says, I woke up, the glass was not cracked, but I still feel like she's my wife. <laughs> That's not how, this is not how signs work. God is not playing that game with you. He gives you the first instruction, do not be unequally yoked. That answer is the only answer you get. When she is not saved and you are saved, God will not answer your prayer. Should I marry her? Because he's thinking, to, I did. I did. You should read the Bible. Read it. It's there. Right there. Answered you already. Why, is he, why would he answer you again? Do you think you're special? In your case, it's different. Because somebody got saved somewhere that was married to a person that wasn't saved. And now that person got saved. And you think you're going to be the same story? I wouldn't take that odds. You should never get married without fasting about it. What you should do is you should fast and pray and say, God, and people asked us, can you pray with us? We're trying to hear from God. And we go like, are you sure we should pray with you? They go, yeah, yeah. Then we pray. A week later, they broke up. Now it's our fault. It's not my fault. You asked. You should pray. And she should pray. 
And you, if you are fighting like cats and dogs, this is turning into dating advice. If you've been dating for four months and all you do is fight, it's not the one. A baby's not going to make it better. Don't date. Walk out that door and let her walk out that door and sneak out. Just leave. Just leave. It's not going to work. If you fight, if you fight more than you talk, it's not going to work. If the first thing you do, if she opens the car door and you're upset with her opening the car door the way she opened it, leave. It's not going to work. Then when you fast and pray, you pray. You say, God, if this is not the one, take her out of my life. However, don't let... Jesus, if I fight you, you fight me back. I'm not marrying her. Take her out of my life. Then get ready because you're going to be depressed and you're going to... And it might not be God's will because a lifetime together is a long time. Telling you right now, you should fast for direction. Like Daniel fasted for a nation, I think you can fast for your wife. You can fast for direction. You should be fasting, saying, God, I'm fasting to find out what you're saying. I'm putting food aside. I need to make sure because this is a lifelong decision that will affect everything from here going forward. You see what I cannot see. If this is not, not what you're planning for me, I'll rather lose it now and go another season without a spouse, but a lifetime with the right one. Because you two become one. You don't want to become one with what you don't want. Now, the food is a problem. What you desire is a problem. In Exodus, or Numbers chapter 11, let's try and finish. Numbers 11, quail from the Lord. The rabble with them began to crave, the rabble with them, with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had the meat to eat, we'd remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Manna is, is bread from heaven. It speaks of God nourishing us and sustaining us without the need of all these other things. During that 40-year period, that's how God fed them. They said, God, we want meat. We, oh, onions, mmm, garlic. They forgot that they were slaves in Egypt but they had meat. How is the devil keeping you a slave by giving you meat? Let me translate. How is the devil bribing you to stay bound with what you think tastes better? Can it be makkelijk as Rico verstaan jullie wat ek sê? Kan make it more easy than the devil gave them meat in Egypt and they were happy to be slaves as long as they got meat. They couldn't fast meat for a land overflowing with milk and honey. What God promised them was far better than what they could get in Egypt being slaves. They would much rather be a slave and have fish for free than have an entire land and a country to themselves that overflows with milk and honey. Well, God got upset with it. He wasn't happy because they had not gotten their desires and their souls under check. So chapters 11, 18 says, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in the preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. I think when God speaks like to you like that, mm, 
Then the Lord heard when you wailed, if only we had meat to eat. We're better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five or 10 or 20 days, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you. You have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? I'm scared in my walk with God that he gives me something that I consistently beg him for that he didn't want to give me. What if your desires, this is straight talking tonight. This is not, this might not suit all pastors and all churches that are preaching hyper grace. You just be you, come as you are, stay as you are. Jesus loves you. It's not the right church for that. I don't believe that story. I believe you are saved by grace through faith alone. You can't add anything to that. But after you are saved, you're empowered to change. What if you are consistently nagging God for something that he says no to? You nag him so much. Sometimes God allows you to give in to that. Sometimes it's that thing that destroys you that God wanted to keep from you. He was taking them to a land overflowing with milk and honey. They were going to get a country of their own, a place of their own, overflowing with everything they could ever want. It was just a season. Rejected. They couldn't. They desired to have meat while being slaves. God said, I can't have you slaves and give you meat. I want you free to have your own meat. The meat is the thing. God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. We want the things before the kingdom. He said, seek the kingdom, then you'll get the things. You can't get the kingdom if you can't hear the king speak. We can't hear the king speak because we are not humble. We don't think we need to bow our heads, be serious about our worship. We fall asleep in church services. We yawn and we sit there and go, oh, they claw. But Jesus, please speak about my future wife. No, I don't think he's gonna. Because God doesn't want to be, God is not second, third, fourth. He doesn't deal well with second. To God, second is the first loser. He's not second. He's not equal to, he's not compared with. He is in a class all by himself. He is God all by himself. And you desire him. If you desire him, he'll see it in your walk. And when you do, God will draw close to you. And when he begins to speak, your life will never, ever be the same. Amen. Amen. You should read, make a note. I can't preach this in church, but you should read Judges 19 and 20. They fought the Benjamite tribe. They lost thousands of men until they fasted. And when they fasted, God gave them a victory. In Matthew 17, he says, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This is a child that couldn't be healed by the disciples. He says, you perverse generation. Then he goes on to say, this kind does not go out without fasting. I want to say the last thing. When you're bound in sin and iniquity and bondage, if you are addicted, if you are stuck on things that is not godly, Sometimes those things don't leave your life because you wish it to. Sometimes those things don't even leave your life because you're prayed for. Sometimes those things only leave when you fast. Those people in Judges 19 and 20, in chapter 20, 
they went back to battle a third time after losing thousands of men in the first two tries to get rid of that spirit. The same thing in your life, whatever spirit, sinful thing is in your life, whatever, addiction to, to marijuana, cocaine, bubbly, hubbly, and vapi, whatever. Sometimes you need to fast and say, God, this thing will break somewhere in my life. And if it doesn't break now, it'll break in the future. But I'm going to keep on pursuing you until this thing breaks. Because if you're, if you're tied down, the devil is keeping you in Egypt with meat.